Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Sainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> what, are you trying to pinch one off while you're saying that? Oh, no, enthusiastic. Oh, okay. I thought you were enthusiastic, John. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, thank you. I thought you had like a espresso enema during the break there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I convinced my daughter to go attempt to pick up my son from daycare, um, or after school care, as it were, you know. Not a parent, but, you know, legal adult, so she can probably get away with it. <laughs> if not, you know, some other some other person can, you know. Yeah, you know, if, uh, then we can just rely on my wife to come home and it's like, where's Michael? And, well, he's still a daycare. I was busy. And then have her storm off and go get him and me, you know, be in this shit hole for a month. But, you know, <laughs> we can deal with these things. Well, what good are kids if not for uh, farmhands, basically? Right, for yeah. doing service yeah, yeah. jobs. I mean, kids have to learn patience. And uh, and husbands need to learn to just roll with it. That's, the, that's life. <laughs> John Palmer's Philosophy of Life. <laughs> Your new book coming out, uh, John Palmer's Philosophy of Life. Yeah, instead of, as opposed to How to Brew, you know, it's going to be called Just Screw It. <laughs> <laughs> how to be screwed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John's new book, <laughs> How to Be Screwed. You just say that everything builds character, right, John? Anytime mm-hmm. they question it, it builds character. Yeah. Right. What doesn't kill you just hurts a lot. <laughs> and, you, and you go on. Right, right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I I got to imagine that, uh, you know, people want uh, life advice from you, John. <laughs> well, I think I think my kids do. I've, I've been telling them a lot enough of it. Oh, they're my kids. You know, I'll, I'll say something. They're like, "Yeah, yeah, Dad, we 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 get the story." Yeah, we. And they're like, "Dad, do you need to do your parent thing now?" It's like, yes, that is my job. You know, be all just. They're like, uh, "Yeah, Dad, you've told us before." I'm like, "Look, I'm a parent. That's what I do. I tell you stories about what you should be doing, what's good, what's bad, the difference between good and evil, right and wrong." Stupid and 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 smart. Our teachers say that there is no good and evil, and it's all just relative. And it's <laughs> you have to understand the evil person's point of view. Do they give you that? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are sometimes. I think uh, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think there are times that my kids think I am intolerant of others, and then there's times they think I am too tolerant of others. I don't know. I think they're just messing with me. I think they are. My kids are too smart. <laughs> And they are, they're just working dad over. It's like, uh, you know, they're just toying with me. Like, you know, I, like a cat plays with a mouse. They haven't decided to end it yet, but, uh, you know, they're just batting me around. 
So that's what happens. You know, you raise some smart kids and then you're in trouble. That's right. So all I, all I can hope for is Alzheimer's. And then, <laughs> then it, won't, it won't, uh, won't affect me much then. I'll be just like, yeah. That'll be perfect. Uh, you can try and read John's book, Just Screw It. <laughs> right, right. To the extent that you'll be able to still read. Right. Well, I'll, I'll be able to read. I just won't remember what I read the page before. That's the problem. But, uh, yeah. There you go. Speaking of Alzheimer's, how about that John Blickman? Hey. Blickman yeah, John. What was his name again? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, John Blickman, as, as far as you can get from, from Alzheimer's, probably for at least another six months. And uh, he is a, a, a solid guy. Uh, Blickman Engineering. Blickman with two N's. Go check him out. Uh, they do some of the most clever stuff uh, I've seen in home brewing and in uh, and, and equipment. They're always innovating. Always trying to make your brew day better. So go check them out. They've, they've been sponsoring the show for good seven years now. So uh, yeah. if you run across the Blickman Engineering crew, uh, tell them thanks. Tell them uh, how much you appreciate that they pay for this show. So... Yeah, John and Doug and Pete, all good guys. There you go. And they like, do they have a dog with like a spot on its eye and all that? They do, and I've forgotten its name. I think it's Spot. Spot. There you go. I think Scott's right. <laughs> that was a sound drop. Jamil didn't really just say that. I saved that from the other show. Oh, I see. Scott's right. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Scott. Right. Yeah, you, you gotta have a button for that one. Because that's, you know, that's the only way you're going to hear it. All right. Um, we're doing a Q&A show, right? Yes, we yep. are. We have questions. We, we do. Ha- oh, I tell you, John, I got answers. I that's would hope right. so. Not necessarily the right answers, but we've got answers. We would <laughs> just want it to be a Q show. Yes. The A part's very important. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the A is very important. I've always considered the A one of the most important things. Along with the T? I agree. Very important. You want to start with a water question? Sure. Palmer, sure. this is yeah. for uh, your wheelhouse here. Uh, this is from Anonymous. Can simple tests be done at home with specific chemicals, minerals, and a pH meter or test strips to determine key components of my tap water, such as residual alkalinity? I yes. Have, yes. Elaborate. Absolutely. I love the second part of the question now. Oh, he says uh, he has the East book, but he has not read it. <laughs> I plan to... <laughs> I, uh, you know, Anonymous, you, you can just lie. Is that Justin? <laughs> Who's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I plan to order the water book, but it is not uh, in the Brinks Network store right now. If either of these questions are addressed in these books... To, I plan to order, <laughs> but not read the water book. <laughs> That's okay. That's right. fine. Order three. Yeah, yeah, all we care is that you bought it. Yeah, that's you know, the, the rest yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, if you you got to tell Anonymous that there's... Uh, <laughs> There's a group of guys down in Brazil that they, you know, in Brazil, homebrewing, they don't have malt extract. It's all grain or nothing. And so they tell every new brewer uh, in Brazil, uh, in the forums and what have you, and anybody that joins, wants to join the club and learn how to brew beer, they have a motto. And that motto is, read the fucking Palmer. I kid you not. They put it on T-shirts. That's it's in RTFP. So it's the in water all the form center. Here. Yeah, and uh, Mr. Alzheimer's so, on the other end. <laughs> so this John, this would John, this piece question? of advice would serve this brewer well. But uh, yes, you can easily test your <laughs> minerals in the water and your pH. Um, I'm working with a company right now called Lamont, and uh, they market the Brew Lab and Brew Lab Plus. Um, the Brew Lab, Brew Lab Plus contains a high quality pH meter, 
and it will tell, test your uh, calcium, magnesium, total alkalinity, sulfate, chloride, and sodium. So there you go. Yeah, and there's, um, I mean, you know, depending on how detailed you want to go. I mean, if you want, uh, you know, test, uh, titration tests for, you know, all manner of uh, elements in your beer, in your water, um, there, are, there are tests for it. Fairly simple tests, generally. Yes, yeah. That uh, anybody can do. Uh, anybody can screw it up, but anybody can do them, yes. Yeah. With the brew lab, it only takes about yeah, 10, 10, 15 minutes to test all those parameters. And the, you know, it's just a matter of counting drops. It's the, pretty easy. The thing about it is um, the the hardest part is just being nice and uh, you know precise with the way you operate. So I find this about brewers is they're the people who are, you know, they watch their measurements they look for, you know, especially in doing something like water. If you want a precise number, you need to look at where the meniscus is to your fill level. You know, if you're filling to a mark, some people are just like, yeah, it's close enough. That'll that'll give you a, a, a that'll work fine, but the number's going to be imprecise. You need to be very, you know, precise and consistent. And then these these kits actually give you uh, uh, really good really good information and, and they quite, do quite they precise. Really do. I mean, when you're testing when you're testing minerals in your water, you don't have to be you know mm-hmm. one point five you know or one hundred and fifty two versus right, one hundred and fifty three. Right. You just need to know one hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. Is it one hundred and fifty or is it a hundred? You know, right. what's the ballpark? You well, know, just keep, I mean, these kits will give you a, you know much finer data than that. Even yeah, uh, usually they're you know. the resolutions in the tens. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that's good enough. You Depending just you want measuring. to understand yeah. the ballpark of where your water is coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, don't be sloppy. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I could imagine somebody screwing it up because they're not, like not willing to read the instructions, not willing to count drops, not willing to uh, you know give your all your uh, you know your sample vessels a pre rinse with you know some water before you you know after each test and before yeah. you know. Things like that, little simple things. Maybe with the new kit, we should get the kits in here, and we should walk people through how to do it. That's a great idea. I think so, too. There you go. All right. Uh, Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Cutting edge. 
tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Law. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My daughter, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alphas. <laughs> yes, J.P. Law. We will, for I have in my possession the Tower of Power. Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to Enjoy a pint? Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest more beer catalog. More beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, right-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Oh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's no beer. There are three levels in 
in the Cicerone program. Certified beer server, certified Cicerone, and master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits? $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt. The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit AustinHomebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit AustinHomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, AustinHomebrew.com. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. <laughs> We're brewing strong. Yes, we. There you go. All right. Next question. What did, okay. we, what did we talk about during that break? Uh, uh, that you don't ever answer your phone, and if right. uh, if you wish to get a hold of Jamil, do not call. Yeah, don't fucking call. By no means should you call. Right. And I'll tell you, every once in a while, some home brewer gets my number, calls me, and I'm just like, dude, I'm not going to answer your freaking homebrew question. And then they get pissed off, and I'm like, you know... You can email it to me, and then I'll, I'll when I get a chance, I will will try and answer that. Oh, all right, big shot. Because you are yeah. very good and, at answering and, questions. Yeah, and then they get all pissed. And it's just like, you know, my phone is not for you to call me when I'm, like, on the bowl or having dinner with the family and, uh, you know, answer, working, doing everything else I have to do to answer your questions about homebrewing. Because I'll tell you, there's eight years of shows you could listen to. There's, like, a book called How to Brew that you could read. Uh, there's this thing called Google that you could try. You know, maybe maybe give that one a shot. I I, I hear it works well, uh, so maybe give that a try before calling me. That's so amazing. People go. just call you. To yes, listeners like find your numbers. Yeah, That's oh, amazing. You know, yeah. Or they'll now they're starting to call the heretic number and <laughs> wow. then like punch in my thing to to get to me to talk to me. And I'm just like. You realize this is like a business, and I have a lot of things to do other than answer your question about, you know, what kind of malts can you substitute for this other kind of malt in your brew coming up. And then you turn around and you volunteer your wisdom to your kids, and they just rebuff you. Oh, get out of here, Dad. We know. No, no they, they listen to me. They, it looks like they're listening to me. That's, that's, that's the important part. That's I imagine in my mind they are listening. I'm just saying. 
What about you, Palmer? Do you ever get uh, people trying to call you and ask you questions? Maybe your your Brazilian contingent? Hola, is this Palmer? Uh, no, actually, it's I, I used to get that. I mean, there have been, you know, like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night calls from, you know, lonesome home brewers across the country. That's a, that, what you told your wife. Uh, she's just a home brewer. <laughs> just a lonesome home brewer <laughs> who wants advice on water. Right. That what you told them? Yeah. We've had people, kids are like, Dad, somebody's out in front taking a picture of the house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. what? Sure enough, some homebrewer out front taking pictures of the house. It's like, all right, that's cool. Just be a little more subtle. Like, do a drive-by and take your picture. But, you know, getting out and, like, standing at the front and taking the picture, not cool, wow. all right? You're, like, freaking out the kids. You guys are a bunch of freaks out there. Wow. Yes, yes, people right. are a bit, a bit freakish, yes. Well, and you have freakish questions like this one from Daniel, who says, Hi, John and Jamil, considering uh, an acceptable range of mash pH 5.2 to 5.6, for which value should I aim for if I want to accentuate the malt character or hop character of my beer? He's in Montreal. There isn't one. <laughs> well, I generally... You know, if you have too high a pH, um, you know, that can affect your, you know, hop, impact your hop character negatively. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of times people will say, you know, lower lower pH for, uh, you know, in your, in your finished beer uh, for, for hop character. In, in the mash, not so much. In the mash, um, you're just looking for, you know, appropriate conversion. That isn't right. the time for that. It's really... It's every step of the process. It's not just mash. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, in the kettle. It's, you know, after fermentation, everything, um, you know, you should see an appropriate reduction across the way. And if you don't have a low enough pH, that can affect it. And and for the the finished beer, generally, very loosely speaking, you know, a little bit higher pH, maybe for a malty beer maybe a little lower ph for a hoppy beer but yeah color and you know what what malts are in there and that plays a big role yeah uh, the ph is uh the control the the influence of ph for hop to malt balances is not um not the lever um what you're looking for there is more of sulfate to chloride ratio um, to kind of like affect the seasoning of the beer as opposed to the pH. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the dark side in the chat wants to know why Jamil would not open his bedroom window to answer his question and why are you such an <laughs> asshole? <laughs> All right. So here from the chat room, let's go to a question from the chat. This one's from uh, Flaccid But Wide. He said, is there any... <laughs> is there, uh, is there any way to determine fermentability of wort based on mash temp? I always hear people talk about higher mash temp uh, producing less fermentable sugars, but not the effect on final gravity. Well, I mean, it all has an effect. It depends on what kind of sugars are, are being created. You know, a lot of a lot of things like that. Some some are not fermentable. Uh, I was by, taking a drink of beer. I missed the first part of the question. He, he wanted to know if there was a way to determine fermentability of wort based on mash temp. That he that he hears Ooh, people talking about right. higher mash temp but, producing less fermentable sugars, so, but right. not the effect on final gravity. Well, you know, that's going to affect the final gravity. If it's not fermentable, then it's part of the final gravity. The 
the the thing is, I, I think there's not what, a graph. Yeah, what the what the uh, you could probably graph a a you know one grain bill with one water and one yeast and one fermentation temperature and all that. You could probably you know graph the effect of the mash uh, temperature on that. Yes. But there's so many other factors in there that that's what's going to affect it. So there is no quick and simple, but it does affect it. And you just need, to, you know, some uh, practice and uh, and uh, experience will, will kind of help you figure out what, what you might expect. Um, Beersmith has a, I think, has a estimation of, uh, or some software out there has some estimation of what, the possible finishing gravity could be based off of um, the grains that you're using and the yeast that you're using and all that, and it's in mash temperature. It kind of gives you a ballpark. I mean, like we talked in the previous show, it's you know, it's just a wild ass guess. You know, it's a you know, just kind of a scientific wild ass guess, but yeah, yeah, yeah. or a model, as they say. Yes. All right, let's stay in the chat room for one more question. This one's from uh, T.P. Klebe. Uh He said, a few weeks ago, I cleaned out my kegerator in order to clean up a couple of rust spots that were forming. What can I do to help prevent condensation inside the kegerator? He said he's heard the computer fan deal, but he does not understand how that is cutting down on moisture. Uh, so can you guys address uh, that and how to install the fan if that is the best solution? Well, I live in Southern California. We don't have moisture. <laughs> All the fires dry everything out in, in John's kegerator. Uh, you know, moving air around, evaporation uh, occurs by, um, you know, moving air around. You know, you, you get condensation on surfaces. If you, if you can uh, stir the air around, it will, you know, more water will evaporate into the air and then, you know, sit, stay in the air. So, um, you know, that... that possibly could could help there um you know temperature is a big thing you know it depends on what the keg rater is so this is why i tell people don't use a freaking freezer for your keg rater or for a fermentation chamber because a freezer doesn't have air movement and is not designed to work at these warmer temperatures and so you end up with a bunch of condensation the walls get cold and then you know con- there's no air movement and the condensation just puddles at the bottom and you get rust so you use a fridge which is designed to work more around food temperatures uh closer to beer temperatures and it has fans in it to blow air around usually from the upper chamber to the lower chamber and that actually uh helps with condensation uh greatly um, you know, if you've if you've got a freezer, you could put a you know a little uh, bucket of damp rid, one of those uh, moisture capturing things in the bottom. A lot of people do that, and it that'll suck quite a bit of water in it. You need to empty it frequently because they'll fill up. Um, and then you know the fan thing. I think you know it, it'll keep the the moisture in the air, and then every time you open it, you know some of that moisture can escape. Um, if it's higher in there versus outside, I mean it's it's air that's it's the air that's around. You might also check the seals on whatever door uh, if you're in a, a humid environment, and uh, you know your seals may not be good, and you may be getting some moisture in that way. If you if you if you seal it off and you put damper it in there, and there's no uh, way for the the air to get in there, then uh, your your moisture levels should drop sub- substantially. 
So a dressing is moisture thing. It doesn't cut down on moisture, but it just it, it prevents it from ever settling on a surface. Right. Well, it helps the air um, retain more moisture. Although if you blow moist air at a cold surface enough, it will uh, it, it can help the the, the condensation uh, on that surface as well. Uh, depending on temperatures and a lot of other factors. So yeah. if you were to set up a fan, I would set it up so it just you know pulls air into the middle of the whole thing, kind of stirs the whole thing up with air. And then, uh, but you know, check your seals. Put a thick container of damper it in there, and then make sure your seals are all good. And if it, if it's sealed off well, and you've got a container of damper it in there, it should dry out completely, and you should end up with very little moisture in there. All right, and uh, let's go back to uh, emails. This one's from Cole B. He said, uh, Hi, Brew Strong guys. Just planning my next brew day and decided to brew a smash beer. Uh, I've also been wanting to drink session beers in celebration of Minnesota spring finally emerging. Uh, if I try a smash session ale, uh, like 4% ABV or under is the rule he goes by, am I going to have a bland beer? To expand on the topic for a potential episode, some things I was wondering about are what grains are able to be mashed as 100% of the grain bill, potential mash issues as far as conversion. Let, let's start there. What, what grains can be mashed as part of as 100% of the grain bill? Uh, anything with enough diastatic power to, to self-convert. So um, generally anything that is... Referred to as base malt. Well, anything that's pale. Um, generally the more pale, and nothing crystal, and anything that's pale tends to be that, you know, the more that they kiln it, the less diastatic power it tends to have mm-hmm. as a general rule, right? So you, you're you're cooking it, you're killing the enzymes. Um, so, you know, like roasted grains, no, 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 no. Those don't have enough diastatic power. Um, it's all been cooked out of it. Um, and then uh, crystal malts, even though some of them can be in light in color, the starches have been converted already, and they... Well, I guess you could use 100% crystal malt, right? Because it's all just going to come out. It's already converted. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's steeping, especially malts. Right, right. Um, so that's the general rule. So, uh, you know, your your general two-row barleys, um, your uh, wheat, uh, rye, uh, Munich, uh, Vienna... Uh, even I think uh, aromatic and and uh, some of those others have enough diastatic power. You should be able to go to the manufacturer's website and see what the diastatic power is. Yeah, if it lists diastatic power, chances are it will convert itself. Whereas the other ones have had it kilned and and the enzymes are are denatured. Well, and given given enough time, you know. Yeah, and you yeah. can you can get enzymes um, to uh, convert something even if it doesn't have uh, an adequate uh, diastatic power uh he also wants to know if you guys think uh, a smash beer can be an award-winning beer or if he should just be doing sure. this for ingredient research well anything can be an award-winning beer i mean does it taste good um and his comment about do you think you know uh, a session beer can you know have enough flavor or whatever to you know be a great or award-winning beer you take a piece of white bread and soak it in sriracha sauce, right? And uh, it's got tons of flavor to it. You know, it's it's not about um, you know ABV. You know, flavor isn't ABV. ABV is a component of flavor. You know, the alcohol is a component of flavor, but it is not the determining factor of flavor in a beer. 
So you can have a lower alcohol beer with lots of flavor. That is absolutely possible, even with lots of mouthfeel. You know, well, a Hellas is, is more or less you know, a smash kind of beer, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, some some smash beers, depending on style, are rather boring, like a, uh, a smash IPA or a smash pale ale can be kind of boring compared to other recipes. But, you know, smash beer is really, you know, if you're brewing it, then it's really a tool for, so you can identify, so you can better identify those signature flavors of that hop or that yeast or that malt. Uh, generally, you're not brewing that for competition, wouldn't you say? You know, it, it just depends on the competition. It doesn't really okay matter a whole lot. I, you know, depends on. I don't know. I I don't think that that's really the the measure of competition because there might be a competition designed around those beers, right? True. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's competitions designed around breakfast cereals, so I think it uh, does, doesn't really. Uh, I mean, we should get away from you know that concept of you know competitions about a certain type of thing. There you go. If, if it wasn't specifically a smash beer competition, though, I mean, th- there'd be no real reason to do it other than other than just being able to see judged, did. yeah, and getting a judge. Yeah, I guess getting well. a judge's feedback. Well, yeah, I mean, like like John's saying, there could be you know a, a Hellas or a Pilsner or you know uh, American Weed or you know a lot of these beers. They are essentially one grain, you know, one hop. I don't think that that's you know necessarily uh, problematic. If you're trying to do a one grain, one hop uh, dry stout, then you're in trouble. You know, but anything pale generally is fine uh you know even a munich dunkel or uh you know there's a lot of beers that would be just fine that way so i i just don't think that that's valid all right uh, uh you know and i've also noticed john that you use the word tool quite a lot so there you go <laughs> which brings to mind i think i, I, I think <laughs> what do you mean which brings to mind our fine sponsor adamandeve.com oh, <laughs> For all your tool needs, uh, they've 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 got a lot of uh, tools appropriate for adults. Go check them out, AdamandEve dot uh, com, and uh, for a limited time only. I don't know. Yeah, it's like seven years, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe maybe the Five, next seven maybe. years. Uh, if you use the offer code Jamil J A M I L, they will uh, sell your first item at fifty percent off. Just about any one item you get there, and that's all the money you're parting with. Everything else, I'm going to tell you, is coming for free. You're going to get yourself a free extra gift, so central, I can't mention it. You're going to get yourself free shipping, and you're going to get to choose three free adult DVDs. And what I mean choose, I mean, they're not just going to give you some bottom-of-the-barrel leftover DVDs. You, get, you actually get to choose from genres such as anal amateur, Asian, big bets, big bets, bisexual, chunky, coeds, fetish, gay, interactive, POV, lesbian, milfs, etc., so you get all these great categories to choose from. Your three free DVDs, you get the uh, free extra gift, you get the uh, free shipping, all for using the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. You can even do it from your mobile phone. So check them out, adamandeve.com. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk uh, more tools with uh, my good friend John Palmer after this. 
A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and Bruin brother Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Downtown Joe's, where everyone is welcome, especially if you like drinking and tasting beer. Head brewer Colin Kaminsky's favorite beers are the Tantric IPA and the Double Secret Probation IPA. But you'll have loads of others to choose from when you redeem your exclusive Brewing Network savings. Downtown Joe's is the best brewery destination and the hottest night spot in Napa. Colin invites all homebrewers and fans of craft beer to stop by and enjoy the great food and beer. Whether you're in the mood for riverside dining, live music, or just hanging out at the bar to meet a person of the opposite sex or a person of the same sex, Downtown Joe's has exactly what you're looking for. And now just mention the Brewing Network to receive a dollar off your beer at Downtown Joe's. That's right, take a dollar off every one of their great selection of craft beers, including the Lazy Summer Wheat, Golden Thistle Porter, and the Triple Dog Dare You. Come to Downtown Joe's and enjoy the laid-back atmosphere of Napa's best brew pub. Visit downtownjoes.com right now for current beers, the live music schedule, or to drool over their delicious menu items. Downtown Joe's, your neighborhood brew pub where everyone is welcome. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next okay, meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at HereticBrewing.com. 
Williams Brewing announces their first customer recipe issue since 1991. This free 64-page catalog includes 27 of the best home brewing recipes submitted by their regular customers. Best of all, this paper-only catalog is free for the asking. Just go to williamsbrewing.com and click on the free customer recipe issue link. This offer expires October 18th. While you are on the site, check out some of the latest exclusives like the Williams Oatmeal Stout Malt Extract, the Big Oxygen System, and they even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enjoy their famous customer service. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. We really should get that um, nut thing revised. You know? Why? Well, I mean, it's, that's, that's really that's quite a pretty minor quite cool. issue when it comes to the Lance Armstrong thing. <laughs> it is? Yeah, well... Well, you know, I mean, we're we're... We need to, you know, let everyone know that we're not doping back here. <laughs> we're <Right>? dopes. <laughs> we're not doping. That's right. We're just idiots. That's that's why the show <laughs> sounds the way it does. And even if we were doping, so is everybody else. So what difference does it make? <laughs> all the other beer radio shows are all doping. <laughs> sure, they are. We are. We are. We have not consumed anything performance enhancing. Let's put it that way. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, if if we did, we'd actually have performance. Yes, we might show a, a slight smidgen of performance. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Well, you guys need to perform My now. Smidgen performance. Uh, your smidgen performs. <laughs> Almost missed that one. <laughs> okay, you, guys, you can go to adamandeve.com or Cialis.com. <laughs> <laughs> Help your smidgen perform. Get the Seattle's people on the hooter. All right, you ready to perform by answering more questions? Sure. Okay. So this one is, uh, he says, uh, this is a Ward Baxter from Washington. He said, uh, Jamil and John, this is either a what the hell have I done or why don't more people do this question? It's a little long, so bear with me. It Pumping. sounds like a sponsor. Uh, kind of a what the hell have I done? <laughs> what are other people doing? He said, uh, pumping, <laughs> pumping ice water through an immersion chiller is definitely nothing new. Occasionally, with really high temperature differentials, brewers mention adding some salt to the ice water to lower the temperature like ice cream makers do, but there are never any specifics. I have a friend who is a commercial fisherman who tipped me off to the science of brining. As a result, I've had a batch of 23% brine solution in my freezer that never actually freezes. It stays around 6 degrees Fahrenheit. Especially for loggers, I generally chill down to the mid-80s with tap water and then switch over to the brine solution via submersible pump. Mm -hmm. Uh, With that much of a temperature differential, it takes almost no time to get to pitching temperatures. Uh, In case it's helpful or clarifies anything, I used a $5 bag of rock salt from Lowe's. Uh, and dissolve two pounds per gallon in five gallons of hot water. With the solution cooled enough, I transfer to a five-gallon food-grade bucket, put on a lid, and put it in the freezer. 
Some frost forms around the edges, but as I mentioned above, it never actually freezes. When I'm ready to pump the ridiculously cold solution through my chiller, I hook up uh, a chiller immediately after use with tap water. Um, I've had the same saline solution for over a year now. I'm currently using a Whirlpool and Copper Immersion chiller, but have a Therminator I'll be switching to soon. So finally, the questions. One, is a saline solution that of, a, uh, of that high a concentration safe for copper and stainless? No. Because? Well, copper is fine. The copper won't be affected, but the stainless will definitely be uh, very subject to corrosion. Um, unless, they, unless they rinse the water side of the chiller very well after use, um, chances are they're going to experience pitting of the stainless. Um, because that high saline concentration is very corrosive to stainless. Well, there you go. And then um, one of the other things is, uh, you know, you can experience problems with um, uh, chillers and a fouling of, of plate chillers if you run your wort through too fast and, and you're slamming it down too cold. Um, you can get some, some heavy protein uh, formation, some heavy... Uh, uh, get biological build up, yeah, yeah. to a, to an extreme. Um, at least that's what uh, I don't know. This guy he was around. His name was Mitch or something. Um, <laughs> Bruce down south, and yeah. he, he mentioned something about uh, you know slamming. You know, having an oversized chiller. Essentially, uh, you can you can get too much uh, fouling and something like that. So you can need to be careful of that. So. Sometimes, you know, I think it's a clever thing, and, and you might be, sounds like you might be better off sticking with the Whirlpool chiller for that, for the coil, the immersion chiller, because um, it's you know, made out of copper, and also um, you don't have to worry about fouling. So that might be something to keep in mind uh, in that case. Well, John, I've got a question for you. Yeah. All right. It just made me think of something. We were cleaning out our uh, autoclave the other day. And instead of spending $5 a pack for uh, autoclave cleaner, I went and looked up the MSDS on uh, uh, the autoclave cleaner, and it's like 95% citric acid and then um, you know a couple of like uh, chelating agents or something. Yeah. So we, I happen to have some uh, citric acid powder laying around. Lo and behold, so we threw that in there and uh, cleaned out. And we were looking at all the parts that this is going through. I mean, the chamber's stainless, but the heating coils are not stainless. They're some metal. And then uh, uh, there's a bunch of copper tubing as well. And sure enough, I mean, we run the citric acid through it. You know, there's some, uh, you know, uh, green stuff coming out off of the uh, the copper. And we're wondering, we're wondering, you know, is there a level of acidity that could damage any of this equipment at you know 250 degrees, uh, you know, uh, as we not with it citric off. acid. Yeah, the citric acid is is a is not an aggressive acid. Mm-hmm. So it's um, I mean you can you can have I mean it's the, just the fact that it's an organic acid doesn't mean that it's not hazardous. You mm-hmm. know, um, but. That being said, citric acid uh, on metals and primarily stainless and copper and other 
um, fairly cathodic metals um, alloys is pretty benign. Um, the fact that it came out green means that there was a bunch of corroded mess in there. Well, you're probably generating copper acetate mm-hmm. or something that's taking on a green color. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, assuming you rinse and so on afterward, uh, you're probably, I would imagine the, the, the stock solution has other, you know, uh, chelators or um, metasilicates in it that prevent, um, you know, these the color change that you saw. Mm. Um, but again, that the kind I mean, it's probably just probably more of a cosmetic than a say a, a corrosive effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine it's just stripping it down, like putting your you know your immersion chiller in. In some uh, you know yeah, low pH yeah. word, it you know comes out nice and shiny and clean, right. um, and uh, that process is taking material off the the metal. Yeah, but couple I mean, atom layers. Yeah, but. it's it's so small that I mean uh, the autoclave will be you know will be long dead and buried before we run through the the tubing on this thing. I would think. I would imagine yes. Yeah. So, th- is there a limit to how much citric acid I can throw in this thing? Um, I to and to definitively answer that, I'd have to check my corrosion handbook. Mm-hmm. But from what I remember, just off my experience with citric acid, if you're using, you know, recommended concentrations to double the recommended concentration, no, shouldn't be a problem at all. Mm-hmm. Is there another acid I might consider using? One I have laying around the brewery? No. <laughs> you could use lactic. Mm. Um, but I don't think that would, I don't think it would do you, it wouldn't be useful as, a, as like a substitute. 80% phosphoric? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sulfuric, hydrochloric, phosphoric, uh-huh. um, all too strong right. for this application. But citric would be fine. That, and that was my, my thought. I'm like, you know, it's a pretty mellow acid. Yeah. You know, and uh, as long as we're not exceeding the concentration that comes in one of those packets, it's got to be okay. Yeah. And yeah. Sure enough, we ran it. It, seems it came out a lot cleaner. So uh, I will continue to dump citric, which is far cheaper than buying these packets. I will tell you that. So there you go. Mm-hmm. There's a tip for all you autoclave owners who are wondering about cleaning your autoclave at a, at a nice uh, discount. Brought to you by BlakemanEngineering.com. Uh, there's a uh, second part to uh, Ward's question. Oh, sorry, Ward. It's okay, which uh, I'm going to speak for him. It's okay. Uh, I know uh, copper pipes freeze, he says, and crack in the winter, but I don't know if that results from uh, continued exposure uh, or extreme temperature differences, fluctuations. Are those low, Either. as in sub-freezing temperatures, safe for copper? It comes from the expansion of the water. As yeah, it turns to ice, ice it, it grows in size and splits the tubing, but... There is yeah. a, a, a heat stress, you know, continued heat, you know, heating and cooling of something can uh, eventually Except fracture the Except the copper's a single-phase material, so yeah. it doesn't so lots it. of lots of stretching and uh, returning to size? It really doesn't. I mean, you, yeah, you, you get stresses. Because mm-hmm. um, you can generally, bend copper back and forth, and, and eventually it fractures. Right, but that's that's orders of magnitude more stress than the expansion of uh, 
due to heat uh, in the material. Mm-hmm. The the real cause for splitting the copper piping is because the water has frozen and the mm-hmm. you know the volume increase in the in the ice. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right, let's take our last break, and when we come back, we'll answer uh, maybe another question, and we'll get out of here. All right, back after this. Northern Brewer presents What If Homebrewers Ruled the World. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now, the first piece up for sale today is a Jamil Zena Chef original, a bottle of 1997 vintage Evil Twin. Oh, I see. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at £7,000. And if you'll continue to follow me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled Justin's Giant Bach. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer had excellent mouth food. That's just a crazy dream, or is it? With Northern Brewer, a thirsty nation can craft its own ale and water for the greater good of mankind. Northern Brewer, the home of superior customer service and the finest selection of home brewing goods for the future. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Have you ever dreamed of attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Anstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2015 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition to the 2015 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13th, 2014, every Dance Star Yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit DanStarYeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter. So get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2015 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at DanStarYeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lala. Premium Brewing Yeast and enter to win. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's 
it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris, and I approve this message. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. Having uh, loads of fun in the studio. Anything you want to change about that uh, liner, Palmer? You got a problem with that? The wine guys? Yeah, uh, yeah actually. I think you should, you're spelling it wrong. You're spending, spelling it W H I N E, and it should be W I N E. There so. you go. Yeah. Now, during that break, we talked about uh, parking meters, getting a ticket uh, and not getting a ticket, and, <laughs> and who we could contact to clear the ticket. Uh, that I'm sure I have gotten uh, today. I can't believe there's someone to contact. And here I thought the Department of Parking Enforcement was infallible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they gave me a ticket that I deserve. However, I'm a bit of a celebrity. I don't know if you know this. And I'm I'm thinking I could get the city to somehow, uh, you know, Sweep that well, under the rug. If this will be the last time you're in ever in Martinez, you can <laughs> probably do oh, it. Good point. This is the last show in uh, Martinez. Yes. The so very they probably last. won't care and won't clear the ticket for me now. Great. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, so not only is this the last show uh, from Studio Double D, it is the last question for Jamil and John, and it comes from the chat room Woo-hoo. from Lawyer Jim. Oh, he Jim, said, you better have a good one. You're on, you're on the, the hook now. I think it's good, but let's uh, let's let you guys decide. He says, every time I brew, I use PBW, then rinse, then star sand on everything from beginning to end. But the following is making me wonder if all that is a waste of time. He said, there's a horrible show on the Esquire Network called Brew Dogs. <laughs> on one episode, the two hosts and Jim Koch of Sam Adams stripped down to their underwear and climbed into the mash. They called it ballsy. I agree with that. It was ballsy. They were soaking their balls in the mash. Uh, they thought it was badass. Uh, I thought it was bad that they had their asses they, in the mesh. Yes. Thought the beer would be tainted, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> since they were soaking their taints. Uh, however, this being a reality show, everybody loved the resulting beer. My, yeah. my question yeah. is, will the boil get rid of everything that cleaning and sanitizing would have gotten rid of? If the boil can make their scrotum tainted ass beer drinkable, <laughs> is PWW and Star Sand necessary before the boil? All right. Well, here, he, here's here's the thing. One is, it depends on the amount of taint and ass you're putting in. If you're putting your taint, dipping your taint in a 8-ounce cup of tea and then drinking that, it probably tastes taint-like. If you dip your taint in a swimming pool full of water and take a cup of that, you probably don't taste any taint. So it doesn't mean there isn't any taint in there. It's just it's at a level that is uh, not uh, taint noticeable. It's, it's below the taint threshold. Below threshold, yeah. So... If you boil it, you know, the bacteria crawling around your ass and your scrotum, 
if you boil it, it should kill all the, those organisms. Any spores that you have formed, uh, that any organisms have formed around your taint <laughs> in your ass, uh, those may survive the boil. But uh, any you know bacteria, yeast, things like that should be killed off by by a good boil. So you don't need to worry about that. I mean, you may need to worry that if you you know th- there could be you know a certain amount of bacteria if you're leaving the because you're not cr- crawling into the mash at 150 something degrees. It's gonna gonna kill you. So you, yeah. they had to go in at a lower temperature. Now, if you leave the mash at a lower temperature after you've dipped your taint in there and your balls in there, um, you know you could be adding a certain bacteria, and you've left it for long enough with exposure to oxygen, it could get very nasty. Now, however, um, so you know, generally you don't need to worry about that. If like a bug falls into your mash, it's no big deal. You know, just ignore it. You know, fish it out, throw it away. And as you go through the process, it boils. So you don't need to. But you should keep the things clean. So if you've got a bunch of snotty sludge in your mash tun and you fill it up, you know, and it's it's getting nasty and smells like death. That's wrong. But if you, you know, rinse it out thoroughly, give it a little quick scrub with a scrubby, that's what I always did. It was generally clean. You don't have any sort of problem. Now, as far as the brew dog show goes and people loving the beers, I have heard from multiple brewers who have been involved that the beer, you know, they do all this stuff. The beer tastes horrible, and then they, you know, they some other brewer <laughs> brews something, or you know, they brew something on the side for people to actually drink because the other stuff is crap. And so they have somebody else, you know, they they brew something else, and then people taste that and go, oh yeah, that tastes great. And I'll tell you this: you point a TV camera at somebody and ask them to tell you about what they think of the beer, the yeah. people are going to go, <laughs> oh, it tastes great. Yeah. I'm on TV. Totally. It tastes great. Make sure you use me on TV. It tastes great. and Because they don't want to say it tastes like ass because then they're afraid they're not going to be on TV. Which is ironic because that is more likely to get you on TV. If you said, uh, I could make a better beer, you know, if you just said nothing but smack to talk, you'd probably make the first cut. Maybe. I mean, I, I mean I'm no reality show producer, but... <laughs> they do want people to stir it up. Right. But not at the end of that show. Yeah. They want people to stir it up in the beginning and... Make it seem like there's the possibility of failure. And then at the end, they want the heroes to have pulled it out and made something fantastic, regardless of all the challenges that they, they overcame. So nothing wrong with, with a show like that, uh, but realize that it's reality TV, which has nothing to do it's with not reality. reality. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That's, that's my answer. I would agree. I saw that show. It was kind of silly. <laughs> See, this is why John has friends and I don't. <laughs> you guys got any uh, final uh, final thoughts or words for the studio before we abandon it? Oh, thank God we're moving on. Goddamn Martinez. Uh, and, uh, we'll miss the pizza, but... Uh, yeah, no, the studio was okay. Yeah. I would rate this above the garage, and I would rate this above the uh, the uh, Studio D. Yeah, so it's, it's been a constant improvement, and that looks right. to continue in uh, with the hop grenade, right? I'm thinking we're, we're going to take a step back. At some point, we've got to take a step back. <laughs> There's going to be something wrong. Yeah, this wasn't too bad. Not too bad. It's uh, almost to the level of professional uh, quality, I would say. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, 10% of professional quality. I think I'll, we're getting need- there. We need Scott to step forward and try to make you know friends with the Concord police. 
yeah, just no, the like smooth, that's going to happen. Smooth, the smooth road. <laughs> yeah, so I can I won't get parking tickets there. I yeah, I think it's Justin. We need to. He's the uh, the diplomatic one. I, I, I tell the truth too much, and people don't like that. You think you do? That's 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 what's so annoying about it. <laughs> just tell me your name is Burt Murphy, Scott. Yeah, Burt Murphy. Scott Murphy, you know, instead of Moskowitz. Uh, don't let him know you're a Jew. <laughs> Whatever you do. <laughs> and hide that red hair. I think that'll help. What red no, hair? no, the, the Irish angle work well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought the soulless ginger would, would uh, cause him to go under. Mm. All right. Bye, Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> well, and bye, all you wonderful listeners. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode. We got uh, another episode coming up in uh, two weeks if you're uh, listening on the podcast. Uh, yeah. And if you're listening live, eh, whenever they get the uh, new studio done, that's when we'll be there and uh, do some shows oh, from NHC there. NHC, too. NHC, uh, all those good things. We'll be sure. there having fun. Whether it be Brazil or Concord, we'll be there. <laughs> put those <laughs> two places on your map. Uh, other places to put on your map, BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two ends. Check them out. Fine sponsor for many years. Uh, you know they've been paying for the show, so you don't have to. So uh, check them out. Also, uh, if you're looking to help in it a little bit extra, check out the Brewing Network store. Lots of goodies there, and everything you buy from there goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network. Helps tremendously to keep this program on the air. So check that out as well. Until then, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone. 